and one and two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and today I am joined by Pam Ryan. She is the Director for Service Development and Innovation at the Toronto Public Library, the world's largest urban public library system featuring 100 branches, close to 1 million cardholders, and over 10 million items that can be checked out. Hello, Pam, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Richard. So over the last few years, the TPL has taken many steps to become more innovative, to change its mandate, to change its role within the city. And you have even adopted an open data policy. Can you take a few moments to tell us, using examples, how the TPL sees itself in the 21st century? Sure. Um, you know, well, our, our mission remains unchanged. Um, our mission is to provide free and equitable access to services, which meet, meet the changing needs of Torontonians. While that doesn't mention books at all, we know many people still think of libraries as just books. We're definitely about the books without question, um, but we are also very much about community and the people we serve. Uh, and I think our mission still speaks to that. You know, it, we do have a, a saying at TPL where we say that um, no other public institution has the mandate and reach, the physical and technical infrastructure, the talent or the community presence to empower Torontonians the way we do. So that really frames uh, our thinking. And, you know, I think you're a perfect example of somebody who uh, has seen how the library is there for the community. You know, you've done a great job in leading open data uh, programs and bringing together a community in the library. So using the library as that community gathering place and platform um, that you see is open to you um, to be able to, to uh, uh, bring together community around, around the, the topics and, and interests you have. And I think you're, I mean, obviously you're right. I've, <laughs> as a Toronto <laughs> resident who is very active in open government and open data, I have made full use of of your facilities and you guys have been great. You and your team have been great at, at helping me out. And I think that's one of the great things, especially for civic organizers, that a lot of the times we just can't afford rental space. And you guys have that infrastructure. So it, it's great to hear that, that you guys are really sort of pushing those facilities to the public. Uh, definitely. I mean, the library has public space and, and we say that space is a service. It absolutely is. So we look to provide that uh, you know, free and equitable access to, to all of our services. Now, one of the things um, that I really liked about sort of the new TPL, because you guys just recently went through a new rebranding, which matches a lot of the actions you've taken over the last few years, is you said you're not just focusing on space and books and, and DVDs or anything along those lines, but you're really focusing on giving people an opportunity to create. So you've partnered with you know, the Maker Fair in the past, you guys have innovation hubs where people can use green screens and, and creative suites to create content. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and some of the, the decisions around making that happen? Of course. Uh, so, you know, over the last five years and even in the upcoming five years, TPL has had goals around digital inclusion and digital literacy. We are 
are well aware of that access to technology and the skills to navigate and use it are critical for Torontonians. Um, I think through this, this COVID-19 closure period, uh, it has been uh, even more, uh, made more people even more aware of the role that libraries play in providing access uh, to computers and to the internet. And when that public access is gone, how many people are left without any option to, to access the internet? And increasingly, the government services uh, and other information uh, resources that are needed to, uh, to stay connected during, uh, during any time, but particularly this time. Uh, so you mentioned our digital innovation hubs. Um, those have, you know, new technology in them, emerging technology. They're places where people can, you know, record podcasts or rec record video, can edit, uh, can take a whole suite of uh, learning courses around uh, different technologies that are needed for web content produ production or, or other electronic resources. And, you know, we provide that as well as, as regular basic computing and access to the internet so that there is that equitable access to those, those technologies that many people don't have, have in their homes. Yeah, and you guys also have a rich suite of courses that people can take free of charge and they're from, and what I find interesting is that some of them are actually from TPL staff. They're, they're TPL programs like how to use PowerPoint, but you also bring in community leaders to, to lead courses for the community. And, and we partner with organizations that create professional curriculum um, and then support them. So we, you're correct. We do that, that whole range of uh, seeking out and developing you know, the best possible uh, workforce development and learning courses uh, that we can offer for free for people uh, to take uh, via the library, either online, um, online and supported online by, by TPL staff, uh, or in-person uh, courses also supported uh, by TPL staff, either in-person or online. Um, we uh, were the first public library that was a Cisco Networking Academy. So that's a suite of courses that Cisco develops through a philanthropic arm to uh, help people understand the internet, understand cybersecurity, and lead to, uh, to some certifications. And uh, we support those with in-person courses and with uh, online courses and online support from, from TPL staff to help people get through those uh, multi-week programs. And that's what I'm finding particularly fascinating with what the TPL has been doing over the last few years, which is you guys are more than just books. And, and the branding, like we have millennia's worth of branding about libraries that they're just about checking out books. And slowly you guys are trying to, to change that brand that we're more than just about books. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about that process, how that's been coming along and maybe even how your staff has been reacting to that change. Sure. Uh, well, part of our mission, too, is that we, we both preserve and promote universal access to the broad range of human knowledge, experience, information, and ideas. And, of course, in today's world, those things are not just in books. So, you know, we're just evolving with the ways that uh, knowledge and information is made available. Um, and our staff have, have embraced this, these roles. Um, you know, we have a service called Book a Librarian where uh, folks can, can book time, half an hour, an hour with a librarian to work through 
whatever their individual research or learning need is. Increasingly, it's people needing help with a new device uh, or how to access electronic resources on a device that they have. But we know that those those one-on-one interactions are super valuable in terms of people's learning um, and, and providing individualized support. But you know, those are increasingly our, our roles for, for our staff uh, to be helping people uh, you know, learn and navigate uh, how to use uh, the internet and online resources. So the TPL has recently published a new strategic plan for 2020 to 2024. Can you tell us a little bit more about that plan and maybe how it differs from the previous plans? Sure. Um, Earlier, our our interests in supporting um, digital access and inclusion, and that is evolving. Uh, We had, you know, a similar focus on our last plan. And and, uh, in this plan, we we have a a new focus, but still, you know, really having that as as a known core service that we need to continue to develop and nurture and support. Um, I mentioned public space. Uh, public space is a, a new pillar in our in our next strategic plan. Really, you know, is in uh, recognizing that increasingly uh, in society there are fewer and fewer true public spaces, and uh, you know we are committed to making sure that we keep that free and public access for Torontonians. You know, we know increasingly in Toronto that. People are experiencing social isolation and lack of community connections, uh, and you know they feel less empowered to engage in community conversations and even even decision making. And we want to ensure that we are putting attention into the public spaces, the hundred public mm. that we oversee across the city in every neighborhood, and you know making sure that we're providing opportunities to address things like social isolation and bringing together a community and and that they know they have that free space to do activities in or even to just be alone with others. We say that all the time. That is very much a human need to be able to freely feel welcome and able to be alone with others uh, in public spaces. Uh, I love that, that, that saying that you just brought up alone with others, because in a way it happens all the time, whether it's, someone going to a cafe and working on their computers by themselves, but you still want to have that connectivity that you were saying, if it's just being part of a group of people that are around, like actually having human beings around you, which we're not experiencing right now, which, which in a way is a perfect segue to my next question, because you were recently featured in a podcast with the British library. And you mentioned that the TPL has really stepped up in helping Toronto food banks during the pandemic. And for those of us who didn't hear your comments on that podcast, do you mind telling us more about what, you, what you're doing with the Toronto Food Bank? Food sure. banks, uh, sorry. Food. <laughs> uh, early, early on in the COVID-19 pandemic, when public spaces, including the libraries, closed, up to a third of Toronto's food banks also, also had to close for a number of reasons, not the least of which many of their volunteers are seniors. So very vulnerable population that that rightfully needed to be staying home. And a number of community uh, emergency tables, city emergency tables came together. One of them was around food security, and and we were uh, involved in those discussions. And uh, it was very clear that community space uh, and more volunteers were needed. And Vickery Bulls, our city librarian, offered that TPL could help in in whatever ways were seemed uh, suitable. And so uh, quite quickly, we started to work with 
uh, three community food bank agencies, uh, Second Harvest, Daily Bread, and North York Harvest, to establish um, 12 food banks in 12 branches across the city in areas of greatest need where food banks had closed. Uh, we put a call out to our staff asking for volunteers to staff the food banks. And you know, each time that we put out a call as we were opening up more and more food banks, we had enough volunteers within an hour of the call. Mm. Um, we're, our staff are amazing. They were really looking for ways to continue to support the communities where they work um, while not being able to provide library service. And uh, we're actually right in the middle as we're working through uh, our reopening uh, process. We are in, in the process of uh, transitioning uh, all but two of the library food banks to other community lo locations so we can ready the branches to, uh, to start providing service. But I can tell you that through, uh, through the last couple of months, uh, TPL food banks have served over 2,500 Torontonians. Wow. And, I know. And <laughs> uh, uh, a couple of weeks in, we decided we could also be giving books to people who came to food banks because, of course, we're the library. And we received a number of very generous donations through the Toronto Public Library Foundations to help fund that. And we handed out over 3,500 books, uh, children's and teens books, to uh, people at, at the, food, the library food banks who, uh, who wanted them. Now, I'm curious to know, because like I was saying to you before, I actually use the library quite a bit for a number of different reasons. You mentioned that you had plans for reopening or you're preparing your plans for reopening. Do you have a timeline on that? I, well, this podcast might actually be released after your opening, but I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kind of curious to know a little sure. bit. So um, we, uh, when we closed, there were over a million items out with Torontonians. Mm. Uh, Generally, the flow of people coming in back and forth, you know, returning things, picking things up, you know, that all works itself out. But when you've been closed for a couple of months, <laughs> you need to spend some time planning how to bring materials back, especially because, um, you know, the, the best practice in uh, library land right now it has, has been that public health professionals have uh, determined that materials that have been returned should be quarantined for a period of time. So mm. we We've opened up our, our drop boxes. Uh, we opened it up at 17 locations last week. And starting uh, this week on uh, June 1st, we opened up a total of 70 branches to have their book drops open. And there's a process in place where materials are quarantined for 72 hours uh, before they are then uh, you know, checked back in and, and released to the system. So you know, it's a phased approach. Um, we're ensuring that you know, we have all new practices for staff physical distancing and for uh, wearing PPE uh, to, to protect themselves. So it's all brand new. But starting next week, June 8th, we will be starting curbside pickup. So people will be able to uh, pick up their holes uh, at those uh, 70 branches we've been able to open. We have a number of branches that are uh, located in facilities that are not yet opened uh, as a result of the provincial emergency order. So shopping malls and, and other locations where our branches aren't accessible. So uh, that's why we're at, uh, at 70 branches. Can you take a few moments and paint us a picture of how are people reacting to you guys being closed? Um, well, people are obviously very supportive and understanding and they want us safe and they would like to be safe. And we're all trusting our public health officials to guide us in the safest ways to, to reopen. There's a million things out 
Uh, so lots of books, but you know, DVDs, all types of other uh, information resources. We have specifically requested that folks not return uh, some of the more fragile items. Like we loan Arduino kits out of our mm. innovation hubs. We loan musical instruments. So we don't want to be receiving those back right now through Dropboxes. And, uh, you know, a whole, a whole range of things that we loan that are out. We know people are missing the public space. We know they're missing our in-person programs. I mean, you just need to think about uh, all of the different programming that we do for children that brings together children's and adults and, and people in the community, each community together to form those bonds and to have shared experience and early literacy uh, learning opportunities. Um, you know, those shared experiences uh, being together, um, we really have been missing, missing those and we know our communities have as well. Uh, access to the internet, you know, we have over 2,000 public computers. Uh, so just having access to those shut down and no public replacements for those through this entire closure period, we know has been huge. You know, we keep our Wi-Fi on uh, 24-7 and we know how many people are driving up to branches or sitting in parking lots or sitting on lawns uh, around libraries to be able to, to access our internet. You know, we had one story where um, a woman in her 90s had driven to a branch to access the internet and had reported uh, through her city councillor that the internet wasn't working, the Wi-Fi wasn't working. <laughs> a, a staff member, you know, investigated and, and sure enough found that the Wi-Fi was working, so reached out to, to the woman to, to see if, she, if uh, he could help. And he ended up meeting her, socially distancing, yeah. <laughs> at the parking lot and helping to connect her iPad to, to the internet, to the Wi-Fi, so that, uh, you know, she could continue to contact her family and friends. Um, and then, of course, you know, we do have a Wi-Fi hotspot lending program, and uh, we, uh, we were able to loan her uh, a Wi-Fi hotspot to take home, because 90-year-olds should just not be going out right now. Uh, it's very true, and, and sadly, the story you've just told us about people going into parking lots, to get Wi-Fi, I mean, is not the first one that's even been featured on this podcast. It's actually happened on three different... You're the third one to bring that up. And I think one of the things that I've been harping on heavily on social media and the podcast and other places is that the pandemic has really shown the digital divide. It's, it's put a giant magnifying glass on it and like, this is a real problem. Even in... Not, and we're not even talking about northern reaches of Canada here. We're talking about in urban cores like downtown Toronto and the Toronto Reference Library and other places where so many people have all of a sudden become disenfranchised really from their society because they can't have access or they can't afford access or they don't have the tools to access the internet. And they've been using libraries for that for, for years. Yes. I mean, we, uh, you just have to ask any library staff member um, how much of their day is spent helping people navigate the internet and our public computers, um, whether it is getting their first email account, applying for jobs online, which we all know is you know, the primary way you apply for jobs now, learning to understand how to navigate you know, a job application site, needing an email address to be able to you know, even, even uh, submit applications all types of government resources, uh, you know, all of the forms that are available online for doing anything with government these days. You know, they spend a ton of time helping people do those things. They don't have the access, but they don't, also don't have the skills to, to uh, yet understand how to, how to navigate those. 
that's a huge thing that you know is definitely um, at risk during during these periods. We also, though, have been uh, working with, uh, like I said, a number of the the city's emergency tables, and one of them is called the Community Coordination Plan. It's a partnership between the city, the United Way, and a number of community agencies that support vulnerable populations. And we were able to uh, put together what we call an internet connectivity kit. So a laptop and a Wi-Fi hotspot with uh, an unlimited data plan for a few months. We were able to do this through um, a partnership with an organization called Renewed Computer Technology, RCT, uh, and donations to our Toronto Public Library Foundation to provide these kits to uh, individuals who are associated with community agencies. So, uh, you know, clients of different, different agencies uh, working with vulnerable populations where the agencies identified folks with the highest priority needs uh, for lack of internet, whether it was social isolation or no longer able to continue their online learning that they were in, uh, families supporting kids who are trying to complete coursework, who uh, no longer have access to the internet, because libraries are closed. Uh, we provided 100 of those so far, and because of the uh, information and that got out about us doing this, we've received um, upwards of $200,000 in additional donations to be able to put more kits together and we're in the process of working on those. So, you know, we're trying to help um, where we can uh, get get resources to folks and many people across and organizations across the city are, are similarly trying to fill those gaps for our most vulnerable, but it's, it's an endless, you know, infinite almost uh, need. It's... It's amazing. I, I didn't know about this after the research that I did for, for this interview. And it's fantastic to hear. Again, the library is more than just about books. And I think I would be remiss. And I just thought about this because I do stream on the public library, on the TPL website. You guys have free streaming service, not unlike Netflix or Amazon Prime, where it, it may not have the same library that you'll find there. But you can stream videos and movies and TV shows for free through Hoopla and Canopy. And I think Canopy even has a Criterion collection. So if you want to catch up on those, those great classic movies, you can do that for free on the TPL. Well, that was, I couldn't have said that better myself, Richard. <laughs> I'll add a little bit to it. Um, we yeah, yeah, please. Lots of uh, free online uh, uh, learning platforms. So, uh, you know, with your TPL card, uh, you can access lynda.com for free. Oh, so, wow. Well, yeah, all sorts of, of e-learning, uh, e-learning options there. And uh, if you just go to the tpl.ca, uh, you can find all of our online resources. Um, I do want to do a little pitch, though, that, you know, during, during the lockdown, <laughs> one of the things that we've done is we do, you know, uh, tens of thousands of programs across the city every year. And we're obviously not able to, to be in person right now, uh, but we were and have been able to switch to uh, online programming. So uh, we have quite a bit of online programming for all age groups. Uh, you know, we have a, a couple of story times a week. We have had a number of uh, external partners doing programming for us around you know, managing money and federal benefits that are available right now. Always we have book clubs and, and author talks and lots of topical programs um, for both teens and uh, younger adults and older adults. So I encourage everybody to go to tpl.ca and, and look at the, the list of programs that, that we're running online right now. One of the things that has impressed me throughout this interview is 
how quickly you guys seem to have been able to react to the changing tides in the environment. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because that is a fundamental value of what open government and open data brings to any organization is this agility element. What have you done internally to allow yourself to be so agile? Um, that's a good question. And, and we've certainly had our moments, uh, like anyone else through, the, through this time. I think one of the, we've never had folks work from home. Um, you know, we are, are an organization that serves people in person. I mean, we've had lots of digital services, of course, but our focus is uh, our physical spaces and, and serving people um, in person. So even, you know, getting ourselves set up so that we could work from home and make sure everyone had the right access and technology to be able to continue um, continue the services. Uh, that was a, a huge effort from many, many people across the organization to get us to get us established. You know, I will say that I think one of the reasons why we have been successful is because of the existing collaborative relationships across the organization and our, you know, multi-division and multifunctional teams that already have great relationships and, and working styles. Um, so that, that foundation really helped, helped in, in moving to, to the new working environment. We also have great partnerships. You know, that's, uh, we have great partners who, who want to be supporting the library and uh, you know, go go out of their way to ensure that we're supported and that they are continuing to support Torontonians through partnership with us. So you've gone through all of these drastic changes over the last few months, and I'm wondering how you think this will affect the role of the TPL in a post-COVID-19 world. Do you think, for example, I'm going to use the biggest one that we've used so far in this podcast, this role with the food banks in Toronto, like, do you think this will pull, this will retreat back once people are freely able to move around? Are there other things that you guys are doing now that he says, you know, this is something that's going to stay in a post COVID-19 world. Can you talk about that? Yes, I'm sure we're just at the beginning of, of understanding what those things could be. Um, while we certainly had done things with food banks in the past in terms of, um, you know, sharing information and, and being in touch in terms of our work in supporting vulnerable populations. We've obviously never had food banks before. We, are, we will be continuing two of the food banks uh, through the summer months, uh, at least, at our Albion and Jane Shepherd branches. Um, and we've talked to uh, our new food bank friends about doing uh, community programming around, uh, you know, income security and food security and, uh, you know, ensuring that their clients know what the, the range of resources and services TPL has. So, you know, that's a, a, a new new route for us to be investigating. I, th I think, too, uh, our online programming is now here to stay. Uh, mm -hmm. it, the, the, it's had really great uh, feedback. Of course, we want to be able to welcome people back into the library, and we know the value of, you know, shared in-person programming uh, in terms of uh, co-learning and creating community uh, that those things are super important, uh, but I think that we will continue to be investigating the best ways to have a hybrid model of both online and in-person programming. Uh, and then, you know, as we move as we move forward, like I said, I think our mission remains unchanged. That we will continue to find ways to find uh, to provide free and equitable access to the services that meet the needs of of Torontonians. And uh, this is just yet another challenge that that we need to meet to make sure we're doing that. Well, this has been a, a fantastic interview so far, Pam, and we've gone through a lot of different things that the Toronto Public Library is doing. 
is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that we probably should? You know, I, I really appreciate this opportunity to, uh, to talk more about TPL and, and uh, you know, get your audience understanding uh, the whole range of things that, that we've been working on. I really just want to in, encourage people to uh, visit tpl.ca and see all the things that we're, we're, currently, we're currently doing. Um, I also do, you know, I've mentioned the Toronto Public Library Foundation a couple of times. Uh, they are core to helping us get additional resources to support things outside of our, you know, normal operating budget. So if anybody wants to make a donation to the Toronto Public Library Foundation, they've been doing superb supportive work for us uh, through this closure. And you can find a link to how to do that on, on tpl.ca as well. I think I'll, I think I'll leave it that for now, Richard. I think we've, we've gone through a, a good a good chunk of TPL over the last 40 minutes or so. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you for joining us and, and sharing your thoughts and, and being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me and, and good luck with your series. It's been great so far. Well, thank you as well. And I want to thank our audience for listening. And as usual, please leave a rating or a comment on how we can make the podcast better or if there's any guests or any stories that you'd like to hear. So until next time, let's make it open.